Welcome to the BioCurious Podcast with your host, Kayla Osterhoff. As a health scientist, biohacker, and generally curious person, I'm always looking for new ways to optimize and integrate mind, body, and spiritual health. I created this podcast to explore the magic and science of human biology and expand your consciousness through learning. If you enjoy the episode that you're about to hear, please leave a review and share it with someone who can benefit from the information. Now let's get curious. Hello, my BioCurious friends. Thank you for tuning in to another week of the BioCurious podcast. Today, I wanted to start by thanking you for being a part of the BioCurious community and for providing your feedback for the podcast. I read and value every single review for the podcast and take the feedback to heart. So for those of you who left a review, thank you so much for doing so. It really helps us to reach more people like you. And if you haven't left us a review yet, I would love to hear from you. And as a special thank you, I wanted to read a couple of the recent reviews before we dive into today's episode. Dr. Lulu Shemek wrote, Amazing podcast with Dr. Kalstein. Wow, I am new to listening to your podcast and as a biohacker, as well as an ND, I found this episode informative and fascinating. I didn't know a lot about ketamine and its clinical uses for depression, but now I do. Thanks again, and I can't wait to listen to more episodes. And Balboni1234 wrote, Awesome podcast with great content. I'm an avid podcast consumer, and I'm always looking for ways to optimize my life and health. This podcast showcases my favorite thinkers and leaders in the world of health, and guess who it benefits? All of us. If you want to learn more about health, science, longevity, and even biohacking, I recommend you listen to Kayla and her podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Lulu Shemek and Balboni1234. And for everyone else who has left us a review, and for those who will leave us a review in the future, I'll try to highlight some more of these reviews on future episodes as well. Now, let's get into today's episode, which is going to be a super juicy one. This episode is all about sexuality with feminine embodiment expert Chelsea Joe, who is the founder of Rhythm, Soul, and Body. On this episode, we discuss how trauma and societal programming can hinder sexuality and how sexuality plays a role in mental and physical health and well-being. Chelsea also provides us with some practical tips for optimizing our sexual health and healthy sexual expression. Now, before we get started, I wanted to offer a quick warning that you may want to listen to this one with headphones because this episode contains explicit subject matter that is probably not suitable for the kiddos. So let's dive in. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me on the BioCurious podcast today. I am so excited to have you here. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, So today we are going to talk all about sexual health and especially we're going to talk about female sexuality and we'll talk about some ways 
that female biohackers can biohack their sexuality. Um, but before we dive into all of that juiciness, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your work and how you got into this field? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I got into this work originally, I think like many of us do, because I was so disconnected from my body and I was really unhealthy and I, um, I became very passionate about healing through natural ways and natural medicine and um, I just had seen some of the, I, I saw some ways where our, you know, modern health was failing us. And so I became really, really passionate about doing things differently and tuning in more with my body and what it specifically needed. Um, I really learned pretty quickly on that there is no right way for every person. Everyone is bio-individual. And so I really mm -hmm. love that concept. And that's why I love, I'm really excited to interview with you in particular because I, I think that every person is so different. And so a lot of my work from the very beginning was, you know, helping women to create custom containers where they could heal in different ways. And when I, my work transformed when I first started, it was around self-love and nutrition and body image and mindful movement. And eventually it shifted more into sexuality and pleasure because I see so many women who do have a lot of shame and trauma and they are carrying a lot within their bodies. And I think that a lot of the, you know, the issues that women have around like their reproductive systems, whether it's PCOS or, um, you know, really painful cycles, um, cystic acne, a lot of hormonal stuff. A lot of that mm -hmm. is physical, but I do see that it, it, you know, it can stem from an energetic or a traumatic experience as well within the body. And so, yeah, it's been really amazing to pivot my work in this direction where I can help women step more into their pleasure and mm. we have to we have to know how to flow within our cycles and know when we can be giving and doing and then when to slow down and relax mm. and if anything is off within the body within the hormones you know we'll feel it and things will be off and so yeah it's been really fun to to kind of bring the, I like to say like science with spirituality and sexuality, all of those things and combine them because I think that it really is like a mind, body, soul connection that really helps people find balance. Oh yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And obviously um, for my listeners and for you, you've seen my content. I totally align with that as well. Um, and the reason why I was drawn to have you on the podcast, I've been following your work for a while now, and I love the way that you are so vulnerable with your audience and the way that you really share in a positive way sexuality and really tie that to health and wellness and make it important and okay to talk about and really bring that to the forefront. So um, I definitely want to get into that whole conversation, but something that you mentioned there um, I think is really important and should be highlighted is the fact that women, it's not the most optimal way to behave and live when you are being the same, you're acting as the same person every single day because essentially women are 
many different people throughout their cycle. And definitely there's four different phases of the cycle where hormones are, are swinging drastically in different ways. And it really makes us different humans in each of these different phases of our cycle, meaning that our requirements for food, for sleep, for um, exercise, for stimulation, for relationship, for connection, for creative output, all of these things are different in each of the different phases of our cycle and even vary throughout from like the beginning of that phase to the end of that phase. So the variation is so large that it doesn't really make sense to act as the same person and act in the same way throughout the entire cycle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something that I really love to to focus on with pretty much every woman that I work with because a lot of women don't even know that there are four different cycles that they go through each month. You know, yeah. we know about menstruation and ovulation, but then there's also two other phases that we move through. And it's interesting because our cycle is such a, like a great way to really see how healthy we are. So if the mm. cycle is off or, um, you know, if we have a, we have a painful cycle, something's going on internally. Right. And, so when we can learn to kind of tune into what phase we're in, how we should, you know, honor that phase. And I love to view the cycles kind of like you said, like a, it's like seasons within the body mm -hmm. that we go through each month. So, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And you can really think about the way that you would act during those seasons. That's how you would also show up for yourself in that cycle. So when it's summer, you're having you know, a beautiful time, you're feeling really vibrant, this is going to be ovulation. And then winter would be when you bleed. And this is really a time to go within. And when I what I notice within my own body and the clients that I work with is it's really kind of like a little mini death, like you're releasing a lot energetically and physically during this time. And so it's really important to just slow down and allow that. Right. You know, I actually have specific biohacks that I practice in each of the four phases of my cycle. Um, I use a tracker. I think it's called Flow Living or something like that. I can link it in the show notes, but it's a great way just to be aware of where you are in your cycle because most women, you 99% of women, you ask them right now, what phase of the cycle are you in? And they'll just be like, oh, well, you know, Either I'm bleeding or I'm not bleeding, and they don't yeah. really know mm -hmm. anything else. And it can also be seen as a superpower that, you know, the other half of the population does not have access to that we should be leveraging. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. I love working with my cycle and knowing, you know, where I'm at. And I also use a tracker. Um, I'm pretty in tune with my body so I can tell. I can almost immediately tell when I shift into luteal phase. And mm. it's funny because my partner can too. He's like, your energy just totally changes. And it's not mm. in a negative way. It's just that I start to go more in, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, and it's just so interesting to watch. And if I, I know this and I can communicate even with my partner or people around me, or I can watch my schedule and, you know, if I know when I'm about to start bleeding, then I can, can block out days where I'm like, okay, I should probably take maybe this day or not have such a heavy schedule at least. 
Um, right. It just makes a world of difference for me personally. And every again, every person is different. So some women feel really creative when they're on their cycle and they're and they're bleeding. And um, some women really do feel more tired. And so yeah. that's why tracking your cycle is so amazing because your cycle is so different. It's like you can really learn so much about yourself every month. Um, mm. I love to give people that I work with, if you want to create like a little tracking journal, you know, if you can get mm -hmm. just each day, if you just write down just a couple of things of how you're feeling in that phase, like, and you can kind of start to see these patterns that are happening every month. And it's really beautiful just to get to know your body on that level. It's essentially a biofeedback tool to tell you like during each phase, these are your strengths, these are your weaknesses, these are the things that you should lean into, these are the things that make you feel worse so that you can make better decisions for your health and wellness and stay kind of at the top of your game throughout the entire cycle instead of having any sort of crash. And it's also a way to manage symptoms of PMS and, and potentially cure your PMS if you know what things are causing worse symptoms. Um, but there is really no way to know unless you start tracking it. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I used to have really painful periods and now I don't. I mm -hmm. My period is so beautiful. <laughs> it's almost like this. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I have sometimes right before I bleed, I have a little bit of like, I'll get I'll get pretty feisty sometimes. And that mm. just to me means that I need to take some space. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I just need more space. I'm, I'm probably giving too much or working too much. And, but other than that, I, my cycle seems to flow really, really well. And I've learned what foods to eat in particular, um, something that I love. And I think it's part of flow living with this um, app that you're talking about because I use it as well. You can do something called cycle syncing. So, you know, eating oh, particular yeah, yeah. foods with each phase through your cycle and mm -hmm. also um, seed cycling. So you eating particular seeds during the phase that you're in to help to bring your cycle back into balance or if you're noticing some symptoms. Because something that I really love to tell people is like pain and discomfort and, you know, heavy bleeding or just anything that is like pretty intense. That's not normal. So, you know, you really do, you can tell by the way that your cycle feels how healthy you are. And if the easier it is, then the healthier you probably are. And if there's something that's going on within the body, that's really just a signal, like nothing's wrong with you, but it's just a signal of your body like, hey, something's out of balance here. And it's just, you know, an opportunity for you to kind of tune in and listen. And, and that's, again, why tracking is so, such a powerful tool just to see like, oh, okay, I'm noticing that this is how I feel at this particular time. And this is what I was eating. And I would say that that's a powerful tool for anyone, male or female. If you're tracking how you feel on a daily or even weekly basis, you can actually tune into the signals that your body is giving. For instance, if you have like, you know, a pain in your knee that comes up occasionally. Most people, just because they're busy and they don't really want to deal with it and they know it's going to go away, they'll just be like, oh, ignore it and, you know, eventually it goes away. However, it is your body giving you a little hint like, hey, something's not quite right. Pay attention. And you can choose to pay attention to that and probably you'll find 
something that is valuable there as far as, you know, maybe you're eating some foods that are really inflammatory to you that could be causing a lot of damage over the long term, or maybe something is not quite right or out of alignment. Whereas if you get that checked and fixed right now, or you address it in this moment, you won't end up with a total knee replacement in 20 years and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, our bodies are incredible. And I know you know this too. I've, I'm always amazed at the way that the body is able to and wants to be healthy. And we, if we can just learn to listen to those little signs, mm-hmm. like, you know, those little things that come, those little pains, those little things, like it's just an opportunity for us to tune in and see, okay, something is, you know, maybe I'm, I need to change something in my diet or it, it could be anything really, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really powerful. So yeah, I love that you, that you share that. Yeah. I think something that is, that is oftentimes ignored and sometimes brings up shame for women is the sexual aspect of how they might feel throughout their cycle. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of um, judgment, like personal self-judgment around that. Yeah, yeah. So something that I love to to share with women is always honoring their sacred yes and their sacred no. And knowing that whatever their body and their intuition and their sexuality feels like in that moment is completely perfect and letting go of the stigma and the shame and the, the people pleasing, right? Or like thinking that we need to be a certain way depending on where it is. So maybe you do feel super juicy and you're excited to be with your lover, even when you are bleeding. You know, some women feel very turned on, on when they're on their menstrual cycle. And mm-hmm. Um, and some women are like, no, please don't touch me <laughs> at all. <Yeah. laughs> Get away from me. And it could actually shift every cycle. Like it could never, mm-hmm. you know, it might, it might not even be the same. And I think that it's so important to, to always honor your body because something that is not often talked about is that every time you allow um, a sexual experience, even with, if it's with somebody that you absolutely love, if you allow a partner to, you know, penetrate you and you have, you, your body is like, no, but you say yes, it actually can embed more trauma within the yoni, within the womb space. And so it's so important to just honor that and say, okay, I'm actually not in that space right now and just communicate with your partner and just say, you know, it's been really powerful for me to just communicate with my partner the cycles that I'm in and he knows when I'm in my luteal phase he needs to give me space. Mm. Um, other than that, I'm usually pretty great. And, but that's just something that I think we have to be able to have those conversations because men and women are so different. Mm-hmm. You know, men aren't going through these processes and, and these changes within their bodies every month the same way that we are. And so if they don't understand, then they're just going to be like, well, why are you, why are you acting different? But if we can tell them why and just communicate with them, usually they can be really understanding around it. But yeah, I think it's so important that we honor whatever it is that our body specifically needs in that moment without shame or judgment and just trust that because the body is so much more in tune and brilliant than, than we could ever know. (laughs) So if it's like a hard no, that's, that's a no, you know, and sometimes you can lean into it and maybe sometimes for me, like I've noticed that, you know, a woman's turn on is it's so unique and there has to be so many different things in place for it to 
to happen. You know, w women are we're fractal, and so you know, if we have chores to do or work to do or something happened, if we're upset about something, like we're not going to be turned on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but men are usually, you know, they're easily turned on, and so they're like, "Why aren't you turned on this moment?" And there could be a laundry list of reasons why in that moment you're not quite feeling into it, and so. Sometimes I do think that it is important to bring ourselves into the present because, you know, sometimes we're like off thinking about other things. And so notice and ask yourself, like, okay, is this something that I could maybe lean into and possibly warm up to right now? Or is this really a hard no and I just need some space? Yeah. You know, we kind of think if we want to be a good partner, we have to do this. Like, and, and, like you said, it could be actually causing, even though you don't think it's like a traumatic experience in the moment, it could be causing some re residual trauma or adding to some existing trauma. And mm -hmm. it could it could manifest itself in various ways. Like you could end up with some sort of um, autoimmune type symptoms. You could end up not being able to orgasm anymore. You could end up not losing all sexual drive or, you know, it could manifest in, in various ways that I've personally seen and heard of. But I was curious with the work that you do and the research that you've done in this field, what are some of the dysfunctions that you see come up? And also, like, what are the cause of these? I have a lot of different things that that show up. Um, mm. I will say probably one of the most common would be would be like irregular cycles or something like PCOS. I've also worked with women who mm. have had full-on hysterectomies already. Yeah. Um, and I will say that when that happens, as women, you still have an energetic womb space. And so even though you know the womb has been removed, you do still hold an energetic womb. Um, and so it's interesting because there is a physical aspect to everything, and I believe that. But I do notice that, you know, a lot of these women that they're dealing with, um, I've had clients who have dealt with infertility, um, so many different things. And mm. I really, you know, I, I come back to trauma, and I also come back to being placed on birth control at a really young age and being mm. on it for years and years and years and years because the interesting thing about birth control is, I mean, there's a lot of different opinions and I, I always, again, say, you know, trust your body, do your research, whatever feels right for you. Like as women, we are empowered to make our own choices and that's incredible that we have that, that opportunity. And I think that um, there's a lot of, there's a lot that people are unaware of when it comes to birth control. It causing some issues behind the scenes that you know women are like really struggling and they're they're just unsure why I think we have to be careful not to hold that against ourselves because yeah a lot of us went on birth control you know at 16 some even earlier like 13 or 14 for various reasons whether it be acne or heavy periods or mm -hmm. actual you know to prevent pregnancy, whatever the reason, um, it, at least when I was younger, it was very commonplace just for a doctor to say, okay, go on hormonal birth control pills yeah. and not, not even, and, and there was zero education about the long-term effects or risks 
I, I still don't know that that education is being provided. I don't think so. For sure. Going back to the bio-individuality, I think is, is what you called it, which I love that term. I think that everybody is so different and their needs are so different and their bodies are different and also their emotional and lifestyle needs are different. So it's a, it's, there is no right or wrong and nobody mm -hmm. should feel shame or be shamed to make any certain decision about that. And I think there is a lot of stigma there and pressure put on women to make a decision one way or the other. Um, and I, I think society is starting to shift a little bit to put the onus on um, as far as like preventing pregnancy um, onto both men and women. And I hope to see that shift continue. But like you said, there's a multitude of reasons why a young woman might be put on birth control. So that's another um, thing that I think is the responsibility of the healthcare provider to provide the education so that the women can make an educated, informed decision. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and I think ultimately it does come down to a lack of education around a lot of things like yeah. our cycles, you know, we're never taught how to take care of our cycles. It's not just about birth control, but there's a lot of different things that I think should be put in place eventually or hopefully mm -hmm. one day just around really educating women about their sexual health and about their cycles and about their hormones and about how to take care of themselves in so many ways because we never received that, you know, we didn't know yeah. that we were doing it in, in so many ways that I think back to, you know, starting my first cycle and just being like, what do I do with this, with this tampon? Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, like there's no, there's, and there's just so, and there's so much shame around it. We, yeah. we don't want to talk about it, you know, for, for so long it's been this like, well, don't talk about it. Not just sexuality, mm -hmm. but blood being on your cycle, having, mm -hmm. even having sexual, um, if you do have anything going on with your reproductive system or there's just so much shame around all of it. And so people don't want to talk about it. And so nothing ever gets, like um, nothing ever gets done about it. People aren't healing. I think yeah. now more than ever, actually, it is starting, there's starting to be a really huge shift with it. And I love seeing that, um, you know, people are really starting to wake up and realize that they do have control over their health and their bodies and that they, they aren't just, you know, there's, there's so much that they can do within that. And so, yeah, I think that, that there just has to be, and that's what we're doing, right? There's such yeah. a better education. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, something that you said kind of triggered a thought um, that I would love to hear your thoughts on, which is the, the whole shame aspect. I think a lot of women, starting from sex ed that we get in elementary school, I remember it being very um, kind of traumatic. Uh, I feel like that's kind of where the shame begins if it didn't already begin in your household um, by by kind of making sex seem like something evil and then and then just the way that they teach it it's very um, anatomy and physiology and there is no discussion besides stay abstinent and protect yourself from STDs there's 
there's no discussion about like informed consent and yeah exactly emotions <laughs> a sexual drive or um you know having connection or being in love there was no education about that which i feel like really kind of missed the boat <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely you know i think it's interesting because i mean it all starts when we are really young and we learn the behaviors that we have now, you know, we've learned them throughout the years and, and a lot of sexual shame and trauma does happen when we're younger, whether it is within the home, whether it's trauma, whether it was at school, it kind of just starts to add like on top of each other. And, um, you know, children and young teenagers, they're curious by nature. So they're, they've already started exploring their bodies. But what we get taught when we're younger is that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't right. have sex. Don't explore. Just like no one's talking about it. And if they do talk about it, it's wrong. Like you're mm -hmm. basically, I know I grew up in religion and it was like just any anything around sex was a was a sin and right so for a really long time I was very traumatized into believing that I was just going to hell <laughs> and, I, yeah. and so I think that you know we just we, we have a very distorted view of of sex and therefore our bodies mm -hmm. and so what I see within a lot of women who struggle with with physical emotional energetic anything within their bodies around sexuality or even self-worth in itself, that's where it, it starts. It mm -hmm. begins then because we learn right away that there's something wrong with our bodies, that there's something wrong with our instincts, with the way that we are naturally wanting to move towards. We learn so early on that like basically that there's just something wrong with us mm -hmm. when there's not at all. You know, we're just humans and our, our bodies are beautiful and the development of our bodies are beautiful and, um, and our, our curiosity is so natural and normal. And yeah. Another thing that I've personally dealt with and that I've seen and heard from a lot of my girlfriends and clients and, and um, colleagues even is that we're not accepting of our bodies first of all. And then when it comes to our vaginas, we're like, oh no, gross. And mm -hmm. to think about something on your body that's natural, that you have no control over what it looks like, to think that it's gross or ugly is pretty distorted. <laughs> it, yeah. It's not the right way to think about your body. And then that's perpetuated by jokes or things that are said um, from men or just like in the media or you know wherever we pick up these ideas if you can't even be accepting of your own body or have a love for your entire body then how on earth are you supposed to be vulnerable enough with a partner to That's enjoy sex exactly exactly so this is actually why i started transferring and like pivoting my work into this is because that was exactly my my story right there was mm. I was so ashamed of my I call my vagina a yoni so if I say that word that's what I'm saying it's it just thank you for vagina. clarifying because I don't know that yeah. everybody knows what that <laughs> yeah. is um I just know like when I'm speaking about it that's what naturally comes out and I want to make sure that people know um so for me yeah I would I had I had a really hard time being vulnerable in the bedroom with partners. I would not allow any guys to like 
um, sex was just awkward. I didn't like guys to yeah. go down on me. I was like, no, you can't, no, you know. And yeah. I, I realized that I just had this really distorted relationship with, with my yoni. My, I just didn't know how to take care of it. You know, again, mm-hmm. been on birth control. I didn't know when I wasn't aware of like taking care of my cycle, all these things. And obviously yeah. having, having multiple partners that probably I should have never been with. And Right. Just different things like that that kind of, and also some sexual trauma, as I think most women experience in some form or another, men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, these things start to pile up. And I, as I started to really do the healing work within, I recognized, wow, I've been, I've been giving away so much of my power because as women, this is our, you know, our source of power comes within our womb and our yoni and our vagina because we are the creators of life. Right. Mm. And so when we can really start to tap into that, like we're, we open ourselves up to so much more, not just, not just sex and pleasure, even though those things are really beautiful. But when we're blocked in these areas and when we have trauma and shame, we block ourselves in other aspects as well. And so, and that's where I see people that do develop different health issues because they're just blocked and they're, they're, they're kind of like hiding and almost imagine someone that's like, you know, someone who's really open and expansive and then someone who's really contracted and they're just like, no, Mm. no one can get in. I don't even want to look at it or deal with it. And that's where things start to, you know, they start to become unbalanced. I'm taking a short intermission from this episode to tell you about something that helps me create stellar podcast episodes like this one. On podcast interview days, I always take my creativity nootropic stack from a company called Formula. This has two different race tams, MCT oil, and alpha GPC, and none of the garbage fillers that some of the other nootropics have in them. This not only boosts my creative thinking, but it also helps me with word recall and focus. The other formula stack that I love is called Clarity, which I use on heavy research and writing days. Another big bonus about the formula stacks is that you can get them with or without caffeine, which is important for me because I do not want to give up my beloved coffee. Check them out through the link in the show notes and use BioCurious to snag yourself a little discount. Now back to the episode. From what I've seen, it is like the majority of at least the female population because these are the conversations we have with each other. Um, I don't necessarily have these conversations with men, um, though I'm sure men have their own constructs that are kind of programmed into them as children that they're dealing with as well around sexuality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it comes from it comes from all aspects, right? It's it's like we, we want to get upset at the men because of what they're doing, but they've also been trained. I want to say trained. That's not the right word, but yeah, programmed. Raised, yeah. Programmed, programmed in certain ways. And, um, yeah, like you said earlier, you know, when there's images and pornography and different things out there that show you what, like, a perfect body looks like, well, there's no wonder that so many women are out there feeling completely disconnected and ashamed mm-hmm. because they aren't perfect. I've... You know, all of that stuff to me is just, it's not real, but we're trying to like find that within ourselves. And, and so we don't feel worthy of receiving or we're afraid to really like to do these practices. And, um, actually one of the most healing practices that I offer women to do if they are feeling really disconnected 
with their their vagina is to do some mirror work and to actually mm. look at it and it's one of the most healing things and it will bring up it can I don't want to say it will but it can bring up a lot yeah. because of the the programming that we have but if you can just like lovingly gaze into the space and really just like oh my gosh wow like thank you especially for the mothers out there you know like if you've given birth or just like all the incredible things yeah. that like we that's for me I'm just like how could we have shamed literally what I think is the most beautiful part of us right. it is the you know the space that that really does create life yeah and I think this is where we can learn from our male counterparts because you know how often are they running around naked and they have no yeah. shame and they they love every part of their body and I'm envious of that I want to be that open and loving every single part of my body so <laughs> yeah you know I think oh my gosh I'm glad you brought that up too because another really amazing practice that I think is really healing um, because you know when we feel good about ourselves it's, it's it has such a powerful effect within our health mm -hmm. and our bodies and so something that I love to do is to dance naked in the mirror and kind of just like do some some loving dance just for myself you know just this is it's just a practice for you and yourself in the mirror mm -hmm. and just turn on some music and dance naked and just like send love to every part of my body because um, yeah I used to you know, I used to hate my body. I used to mm. just really dislike my body and now I love it. And of course I go through, you know, moments of emotion where I'm like, oh, oh, like when, especially when I might be deeper in my luteal phase and I feel a little bloated or something, I'm like, oh, I feel kind of fat today, but I'm not. And I'm like, you're not at all. You know, I think yeah. it's, it's like, it's also coming back to like those old programs that have literally been mm -hmm. running in the brain for so long. I'm like, oh, you know better than to to speak to yourself like that. And when, when that happens, that's when I know, oh, I need to go do a mirror practice right now. I need to go dance. I need to go send some love to my body in some way. And so, yeah, like with that, you know, that is available to us, the way that, that men act in that way. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I, I know men that are really uncomfortable with their own bodies too. And so mm. some men are really confident. And also I know men who struggle with, with self-esteem within their own bodies as well. And I think that um, it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it kind of can affect each of us in a different way, depending on what we've been through. And if anybody listening, male or female, if you're getting the heebie-jeebies by thinking about dancing naked in the mirror, maybe that's a sign you should do it. <laughs> yes. I always tell people to lean into the discomfort. Usually yeah. when it's something that you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds really weird or that's, you know, I could never do that. Yeah, it definitely means that it could be really powerful and healing for you. And, you know, maybe yeah. that's like lighting some candles and having the lights lower so that you can just really admire yourself in the mirror. But it's not like just like blaring light where you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can see every part of myself. <laughs> like make it an experience, you know, for that's something that I love to, to teach women is like making every part of your life a pleasurable experience. How can you bring mm. pleasure into this moment, even if it's a simple moment? Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I'm sure that you see come up with the women you work with, is, is self-pleasure and that, that whole relationship with yourself, which I think is really important and also something that we never get education about. Like, 
in in school and from our parents and from the media and from everywhere you look that is a big no-no but i think that that also causes some trauma because if you can't understand how you like to receive pleasure on your own whether it be sexual or just pleasure from you know taking a soak in the bath by yourself and just like relaxing it in or if it's dancing naked in the mirror whatever brings you pleasure i think that that's something that none of us have ever had education on and so i wonder how you educate in this aspect mm, i love that so what I like to, to tell women is this is like a new way to discover yourself. And for every person, again, it's going to be different. And so it's learning to really listen to what you specifically need and want and desire and setting aside the time to do these practices and like mm -hmm. making them a priority because your self-pleasure should be a priority. Um, I think that, you know, for me, like self-pleasure is a practice. I love working with yoni wands. So <laughs> they're like the best way that I could describe them. I was going to say, you have to explain what that is because I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's um, same, same concept as a yoni egg, but the yoni wands are like the best, easiest way to describe them. They're like crystal dildos. Okay. So okay. <laughs> um, we all know what sex toys are. And for me personally, you know, I stopped working or using like, um, like, any intense sex toys. Mm -hmm. One reason was because they have, they can have chemicals in them right. and um, you know, our, our vaginas are permeable. And so we want to be really careful about the things that we're connecting really close into our skin and also mm. inside, whether that's a cotton tampon that has a bunch mm -hmm. of chemicals in it, or, you know, maybe you're douching, which you probably shouldn't be doing. Like our vaginas are, you know, they, they cleanse themselves. They have their own ecosystem and they actually have their own microbiome. So for me, using a crystal yoni wand, I found that these, these wands have helped me to open up and actually have really powerful cervical orgasms, which mm. I didn't even know was possible. For me. Right. And I think that a lot of people listening probably don't know what that is or what the difference is between a cervical orgasm and a clitoral orgasm. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So usually a clitoral orgasm is, I mean, we all should hopefully know where our clit is, but it's located just above the entrance of the vagina. And a lot of people stimulate this. This is where we, you know, learn to masturbate or this is where we've kind of like started to experience as women our pleasure and um, you can actually have there's multiple types of orgasms that you can have you can actually have an orgasm just from penetration within the cervix and a lot of women don't feel this or know this it's so amazing too because I feel like you know get your hands out and just start massaging and seeing where your pleasure zones are because you might have places that turn you on inside and outside your yoni just all around that you'd never even knew before. But yeah, like you said, a lot of women, they don't even ever touch themselves. And yeah. so the best way for you to learn where your pleasure is, is to do this work is to actually, you know, just go in and like make it a practice to start doing some self discovery and giving yourself a yoni massage and like inside and outside and just really exploring your body in a new way. 
of like, wow, what turns me on? And oh, actually, where do I feel maybe a little bit numb or I don't have any sensation at all because, mm. um, you know, maybe there's some healing to do there or something. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's a good way to also give feedback to your partner. Um, if you know what feels good to yourself and exactly. with yourself, then you can tell your partner like, hey, um, that doesn't really work for me, but do this other thing that I love and guess what, like your partner is going to love to hear that. Whether your partner is male or female, if you tell them exactly what you want and then they see that it is pleasurable for you, there's no better feeling than knowing that you're making your partner feel good. Oh, absolutely. If things feel awkward or if there's not passion, you know, I like to say like great sex is all about the woman. It really is. It's all about the woman. It's all about her ability to open, to to really be vulnerable, to really be able to communicate, to really trust, because a lot of it comes, you know, for us, a lot of it has to do with trust in our partner. Mm-hmm. And so um, if things feel off and we're just forcing ourselves, so it doesn't feel good for either. When you have that really deep, passionate connection, it's it's an incredible experience. But you know, there's so many little intricacies that happen behind the scenes for us to really fully be in that space. And I love that you brought that up because I tell women that too, you know, you can't get upset at somebody for not knowing how to please yeah. you when you don't know how to please yourself. And they can't read your mind either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as much as we'd like to think that other people can read our minds, they can't. <laughs> no, no. And yeah, it's so important to just be able to ask for what you want because... Yeah. I mean, sex is, it's a beautiful experience and, um, it, you know, yeah, of course it can be, it can bring up some stuff or it can be a little awkward, but also we're just learning about each other. We're learning about each other's bodies and we're learning about our own bodies all the time. That's why I think sex is so beautiful because it's just a constant continual journey of like, there's, it's never ending really. Like there's just so much that we can discover in these, in these places. Yeah. So Briefly, um, also tell us what is the yoni egg? You mentioned it, um, mm-hmm. and then you described the yoni wand. But what is the yoni egg? How is it different, and what is that used for? Yeah, awesome. So the yoni egg is—it's a little bit similar to the wand, but it's shaped like an egg. So it's shaped like a small egg. And actually, um, you know, the yoni eggs have been around for thousands of years. They actually mm. used to use them. Um, in the royal palace of China, and they were only meant for the royalty back then, but now, you know, these practices have obviously come out more and more into our society, and they're available for any person to use, and so these eggs, again, they're crystals, and you can get different sizes depending on kind of where you're at specifically. You can get, like, large, medium, small, Um, if you're starting out with an egg, I would get a large or a medium, Small is going to be for someone who's used and worked with the eggs for a little bit because what they do is one of the main things that they do is they actually tighten and tone the the vaginal walls. And so they're amazing for after if you've had a child, they help you have really powerful orgasms. They can, um, you know, they can increase sensitivity. They can... Um, They can do some energetic healing as well. Obviously, if you're working with a crystal internally, you can set your intention with the crystal of what you're wanting to clear and heal. And um, they have a lot of different things that they can help increase lubrication and 
I mean, I love them. My partner always, he knows. He's like, have you been wearing your egg today? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he, can, he can tell when I wear yeah. it because it really does work like that quickly. And you really only mm. need to wear it for, you can wear it for 15 minutes a day. Um, you can create a whole sacred ritual practice out of it. You know, you can meditate with it in. You can do, it's kind of like, having doing kegels except that you have an egg in and you don't really have to do kegels because you're just holding the egg in mm. um it's they're so beautiful I have so many yoni eggs and I give them as <laughs> gifts to a lot of my clients or a lot of my friends people I send them these yoni eggs and they're like what and then eventually they're like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, I think the benefits for strengthening your pelvic floor are amazing because that has to do with so many aspects of not only sexual health, but general core strength and stability. The pelvic floor really does play a role in all of these aspects um, mm -hmm. and, and even breathing so even for men obviously they can't use a yoni egg but doing the same sort of thing where you basically squeeze as if you're holding in your pee um, it's really beneficial for both men and women and it, it can also have a lot to do with back and hip pain if your pelvic floor is is weak yeah I love working with them um, I think that they are really powerful tools to use and to just have. And I will say that because I'm sure that for a lot of people, this is a new concept. Make sure that if you are getting a Yoni egg, um, you want to make sure that it's GIA certified. So mm. I always like to tell women, you don't want to stick anything fake, you know, up inside your Yoni, right? Because yeah. it is permeable. And so there's a lot of like fake yoni eggs out there that aren't real mm. so you want to make sure that if you're purchasing a yoni egg that it's gia certified it's a real crystal um and you're just getting it from a company that you know you would probably just trust what are some companies that you know and trust mm, yeah so i love sun tribe wellness um, I also love Gemstone Yoni, and I can send you over some links if you want to put Perfect. them in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, so Gemstone Yoni has some really amazing Yoni eggs and Yoni wands, lots of different options, lots of different crystals, and the prices I feel like are really good. Awesome. Well, I want to make sure that we have time for two questions that I like to ask all of my podcast guests. So the first one is... I was curious if you have a specific morning routine that sets you up for success for the day. And if so, what does that entail? Mm, I love this. So I used to be really strict about my morning routine and be like, I have to do these specific things every day. And as I've kind of leaned more into my pleasure, I've listened more to my body, what it needs. So when I wake up in the morning, I, you know, I just ask myself, what do I need today? Mm. And um, usually my morning routine will involve some type of movement, whether it's dance, hiking, rollerblading, um, yoga. And today I hula hooped for like 30 minutes and that was really oh, fun. Cool. <laughs> just, I need to get a hula hoop. That's such fun exercise. Yeah, it's just, you know, for me, I like to let it be playful. Like, because my morning routine for a while got to be this very monotonous, like, okay, I'm doing these things and it just didn't feel fun for me anymore. Mm. And like I said, I really want 
things to feel pleasurable. And so I like to just bring in whatever feels good. I also like to um, meditate. Sometimes I'll do some breath work. Almost always I'll have a self-pleasure practice. So I'll work with my yoni wand um, a little bit in the morning just to help stimulate. Like who doesn't want to wake up with an orgasm, you know? I mean, it sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> That's the best. It's the best. Um, I'll do some writing, maybe pull some cards. And, you know, sometimes my morning ritual lasts anywhere from like 30 minutes to three hours, depending on how I'm feeling that day. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you give yourself um, some wiggle room to just do what feels good. And I think a lot of people could benefit from bringing some pleasure into their morning routine. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's the thing for me is that our morning routines are self-love, right? It's all about self-love. Right. And of course, a little discipline, but self-love, that's what it is. And so for me, it's like, how can I give myself love this morning before I'm mm. giving so much of my energy in other places? Yeah, I love that. So my next question, and this one may be a little difficult, but if you could provide just one piece of tangible information to the listeners that they could put into practice in their own lives for the greatest benefit to their overall health and wellness, what would that be? <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> there you go. I agree. And you know what? We haven't mentioned this the whole podcast. And I'm very proud of it. Proud of us for it. But I think the whole pandemic situation is a forced slowdown for the entire world. Mm -hmm. And in that aspect, or in in that perspective, it's a it's a very positive thing. Yes, absolutely. And that's one thing that I've even within myself, like I know that, but I don't always mm. follow it. And um, it's been nice for me. My own life, you know, has slowed down a lot. I mean, not much yeah. has changed, but my own life has slowed down a lot. And I see a lot of people who are having to rest because, and I tell my clients this all the time, you know, if you don't slow down, the universe will make you. Yeah, <laughs> this is what's true. happening on a global scale right now. And so, yeah, you know, we, we've definitely come to this space where we've been overworked as, as a culture, and I think it's important to slow down within our lives, slow down in the bedroom, slow down in your practices, slow mm -hmm. down, just, just pause, be present, take some breaths. It will change everything. Yeah, I love that. So... Yeah. We will leave everyone on that note because I think it's something that everyone needs to hear and consider right now. But if the listeners are interested in connecting with you or learning more about your work and your offerings, where is the best place for them to find you? My life is on Instagram. I have a website and I do Facebook, but if you really want to get the most out of whatever I'm sharing and offering, Instagram is where I, I spend a lot of my time. And so awesome. And what's your handle? It's Chelsea Joe. So just C-H-E-L-S-E-Y-J-O-H. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the BioCurious Podcast. I wanted to thank you for being part of this BioCurious Podcast community and also for providing feedback to the podcast episodes. I read and really value every single one of the reviews that y'all leave for us, and I take the feedback to heart. 
If you haven't left us a review, please do so as it really is the best way to support this work and keep it going. Please also share the podcast with anyone that you think would benefit from this information. I also wanted to take a moment to thank the podcast sponsors who also help to sustain this work and they offset the costs associated with podcast production. I only invite brands that I personally use and trust and also brands that I personally know the owners who take pride in the quality of their products. Formula is a personalized nootropic brand that I have really come to love because of a couple things. Number one is they only include a few high quality ingredients in each of their formulas, usually three to four, and there is just no filler crap and there's not just a ton of ingredients in each one of the pills. And number two is they offer four different nootropic stacks, each with a specific purpose that can that really does work amazingly well. Um, my all-time faves, which you may have heard me talk about previously, are the Clarity and Creativity stacks, which are just awesome. Another big bonus for me is that they offer their nootropics without any caffeine, or you can get it with caffeine. And that's really important for me because I love to have my coffee in the morning and also take my nootropic, and I just don't need the extra caffeine in my nootropic. The other one is BioStrap, which as y'all know, is my all-time favorite wearable. I talk about them all the time because they're amazing. This device is my ride or die in terms of personal data collection. As a health scientist, I don't like to make any health decisions without data. So my BioStrap has really just been a godsend to help me make informed decisions about my sleep and recovery interventions. You can find the links to both of these amazing companies and their products in the show notes below. And you can also find a special discount code just for the BioCurious listeners. So until next time, be well, my friends.